Well, hey, Life Church, I just wanted to send a quick thank you. Behind me is a refugee distribution taking place. Dozens of these have taken place. Thousands of refugees have been helped. Many local churches all throughout Europe and their communities have grown thanks to you. Thanks for your heart and generosity towards greater. We love you. Good morning, Life Church. This is Carol Fiegelson here in Yangon, Myanmar. I just want to thank you for your prayers, for your support. Because of your giving to Greater, we're able to train university students to reach their campuses. Because of the Greater giving, we are able to live here in a place among millions that are unreached and work through a coffee shop to establish relationships and build connections. Thank you for believing in Life Leadership College. Because of your giving, students are being trained in ministry, they're earning their degrees, and they're being sent out as ministry leaders around the corner and around the world. Because of your generosity through Greater, we've been able to bring hope to hundreds of kids and families involved in foster care in Milwaukee. Hello, Greater Givers. I just want to thank you for all your giving. This past year in Cuba, you helped us put many Bibles in many new believers' hands. Because of your giving to Greater, we are reaching about a million children a month in, in 30 countries with King's Castle Ministries. And we have a growing number of missionaries being formed to take uh, children's ministry networks all over the planet. Thank you. Thank you for your giving to Greater. Because of your giving, you're helping us mobilize students across the U.S. to reach other students with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hi Life Church, Paul and Christine Piarki here. We're your missionaries in Ukraine. We wanna say thank you for your greater giving so that we're able to plant churches where there are no churches and to reach the people from all over the world through the International Christian Assembly in Kyiv. Your giving to greater has enabled us to serve many villages in Slovakia. We have served hundreds of people with bags of food and the gospel message and send them home with hope. Hi, we're the Osbournes, your missionaries to Odessa, Ukraine. We are so excited about what God did our first term and what he will do in the second term, and we are so grateful for your partnership through Greater Giving here at Life Church. Thank you very much for your role in reaching Ukraine. Thank you. Because of your giving to Greater, the local church in Northern Ireland is being equipped and empowered to grow and carry hope to their community. Thank you so much, Life Church. Hi, this is Hal Donaldson of Convoy of Hope, and I want to say thank you to my great friend, Pastor Aaron and Tammy, and all our friends at Life Church, and thank you to all the greater givers as well. Thank you so much for how you've come alongside Convoy of Hope and partnered with us all these years. You really are a pillar of this ministry. This past year, we were able to reach out to more than 15 million people, meeting both physical and spiritual needs. In addition, we're now feeding over 200,000 children every single day, helping thousands of mothers every year start their own businesses so now they can feed their own kids. In addition to that, we're helping thousands of farmers increase their yields. And we're conducting outreaches across the U.S. and across Europe as well. And your pastor is a big part of all of that. And so thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for believing in this vision. Thank you for giving so generously through the years. God bless you. That's awesome, isn't it? And that is all what God's doing through you. That's just a sampling of about three dozen to four dozen missionaries that uh, you support, we support uh, together every month, along with about two dozen different missions organizations worldwide. Uh, and so, uh, again, 
just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. When I saw the, the rough edit on that video, uh, I just sat and, because uh, I had been, was prepping actually for this message, and uh, I sent Ryan a, an email back. I said, man, I just, I'm in this hotel lobby waiting to get picked up, and I, I'm, I'm just crying. I just think it's amazing. And this is one of those weekends where you're going to be able to say, I was there when. This is a great weekend, and I want to welcome everybody, our online campus, Germantown campus, Appleton campus, Milwaukee campus, Brookfield campus, every one of our campuses. We're all on this particular sermon. I'm getting to speak and communicate to every campus that we have uh, in this weekend, in this time, and in this format, because this is our miracle offering weekend. At Life Church, we, we basically do giving in two ways. One is about obedience. The Bible says Malachi chapter 3. I didn't write the book. <laughs> he wrote it. I have to live it as well as you do. But that 10% of my income as a Christ follower belongs to God. So I bring it to the storehouse and I honor God with that. Beyond that tithe, that 10% uh, that's obedience, it's about generosity, and that's what you do so incredibly, incredibly, incredibly well, Life Church, is that you are such a generous church. And so generosity then is what we call greater, which is kind of sharing the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ around the corner and around the world. So if, if uh, you were at the event at the Milwaukee campus on Saturday and you were there as a part of everything that was going on with, with the Christmas with the angel tree giving, whether you gave a gift there were thousands of gifts that were given through Angel Tree, or you were able to participate. I was able to stop by and just see what was going on. I, they don't really let me do much. They kind of just tell me to get out of the way and stand to the side because I'm, I'm, I'm talking to too many people. But, but the deal is, is, is it was incredible to see uh, an area for kids to be able to go and play and have a good time while moms and dads were upstairs uh, at the Milwaukee campus at 56th and Burleigh and be able to shop for their kids, meaning and I mean that word by shop, they got to pick out gifts uh, and um, uh, families that live in, in, in that particular area, in that particular zip code, uh, no charge to them. Then go over and, and there were people that were helping them get them wrapped. Kind of like if you go to the mall and, and you buy a gift and you go get it wrapped. Well, that, but it was being wrapped for them and it was of no charge. And, and then they were able to bring those wrapped gifts, go get their children if they had them with them and go get in the car. And, and the kids not knowing, because then on Christmas morning, the moms and dads or Santa, they all be, that becomes the hero, which is awesome. Because that's what we're trying, try, we don't want to be the hero. Jesus is a hero, but we want to serve. And the Bible says, when you do it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. When you do it and no one knows what you do, great will be your reward in heaven. And I'm telling you, I just stood there in that church today, just overjoyed, over, overwhelmed with such the compassion and the love. I just got off of a, of a 10-day, four-country. I was in China, Myanmar, which used to be Burma, Laos, and, and, and Thailand. So I'm a little, so a little jet-lagged. And going and, and being there, again, that's all part of greater. Not just going around the corner, but around the world. And I was able to go into Chiang Rai, which is in, in northern Thailand. And, and the Fire Bible, which this has actually got them to give me one of these. So this is actually one of the, the additions. Because of generosity of people just like you giving to greater, uh, we were a part of the Fire Bible distribution. Let me explain to you just real quick what this is. First of all, do you know that there are people in the world that don't have a Bible, not just a reference Bible, but a Bible in their heart language, which is their native tongue? I, I can't imagine 
there are pastors that don't have not only scripture, but they don't have a study Bible, reference notes, study notes. How do I explain this and teach this in their heart language? So in Northern uh, Thailand, parts of Laos, uh, Myanmar, and in those parts and even parts of China, uh, these pastors came in from all over these regions on their motorbikes, meaning about 100 kilometers on these little mopeds and came in and they received their first full study reference Bible with notes and annotations and everything that they need. I've got more of these in my study than I can count. And this is the very first one they received. There's actually going to be a picture that's going to show us with these pastors that are, that are there, uh, that were there, that were receiving their Bible for the very first time. And that's because of your generosity. That's what miracle offering, that's what this weekend's all about. It's about the, the love of Jesus Christ and the God's word being given. And so those pastors were given those, they were prayed over, they, they were so happy. Some of them, you can't even see their faces, but you can see this Bible that was given them. Thank you guys. And, and I just, just wanna say thank you. That, that's, that's part of, of actually what, what we were doing. And again, that's what Greater is all about. That's what Missions is all about. That's what the local church is all about, uh, is going around the corner and around the world and sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, today, I, I want to I, I just, just say again how thankful I am for you and for your generosity. Every time I go, you go with me. I, John Enfield, who was a founding member at Life Church, uh, he's, he's just retired this past year and moved south. And he said to me one time, I've never forgotten this. He goes, Pastor, wherever you go, we go. Whenever you go somewhere, he said, I remember when we started this church and I remember the humble beginnings. And every time you're going, you're going and representing us. And every time I go, I just wish I could have you with me in that moment and, and there to do that because that's what this is about. And so you may say, well, how does a miracle offering happen? And how does this happen? Does, I mean, how does greater giving, giving happen? And, and this, we're talking about tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands. And even this weekend to, to break a million dollars in missions giving. Do you, you've probably never been a part of a church that's given a million dollars in a year to missions. I haven't until now. That's what we're about to do this weekend. It's because of, and you may go, well, I'm sure somebody you know is writing some big, fat, nasty check and there's gonna be some, something that's happening. You got some, no, 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 no. It's not how this works. It works when you and I do what we can with what we have with where we are. And little becomes much when God's in it. Have you not read the Bible, right? It's the, it's the fishes and the loaves. It's, it's God taking little and began to grow it and utilize it and bless it. And so I just want to talk to you today just a little bit about that. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity to give. And, and my heart is so full and I'm so jet lagged that if I don't just jump right into my notes, we may be here for a while. So is that okay with you if I get into this? Good. All right. So Judges chapter three, I'm going to show you exactly what I mean. Judges chapter three. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. Um, there's a guy that I want to talk about just for a minute who does exactly what I'm talking about, what you can with what you have with where you are. Now, I love great heroes of the Bible. I, I love guys like Daniel. I, I love guys like David, a man after God's own heart. I, 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 love, I love great stories like Noah and the ark and, and Jonah and the whale and all of those things. But, but I'm just going to tell you, this is one of my favorite people in scripture. And his name is only mentioned twice. When I get to heaven, this is a guy I want to sit down. There's two things. Number one, 
I, I believe this is my own theology. There's going to be like a heavenly IMAX that we're going to get to see all of these stories of the Bible. Like, how did this happen? Like, you want to talk about a ticket you'd like to see, you know, like creation. I mean, I, I like, when you like to sit there and God say, let me show you exactly how this happened. Everybody's been pontificating uh, scientists and theologians for, for, for all of this time. Let me show you exactly. Here, let's just push, push play and, and let's, you know, that kind of, wouldn't that be awesome? That's kind of what I think is going to happen. So there's places and things in the Bible that I go, I want to see how this thing really went down. This is one of those instances. This is one of those people. See, Judges, just to kind of give you an idea, chronologically, this is taking place. If this is after... Moses has led the nation of Israel out of bondage in, in Egypt and Joshua has led, led them to the promised land. But it's before they have a king. It's before King Saul, King David and the lineage of the kings. And that period, the governmental period in the nation of Israel, there's a period of, called judges or we would, we would call it that. There was a succession of 13 judges. And during that period of these judges, the third judge in that line of succession was a guy named Shamgar. Shamgar is only mentioned twice in scripture. I'm going to show you both places. Look, 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 Judges chapter 3, verse 31. And after Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad, and he too saved Israel. Now, that's what I want to see. I'm, let me, I'm going to unpack this. I want to see that when, when we get to heaven. I'm, I think I'm going to see it on the heavenly IMAX. I, I think that's going to be like a major feature uh, like, you know, uh, action movie right there. I'm just, the, let me unpack this. Verse 30, if you go back, tells us that Israel had dealt with peace with the Moabites for 80 years. But Israel had more than one enemy, and we see them in Scripture, and, and one of those were the Philistines. If you go to Judges chapter 5, verses 6, 7, and 8, it says it this way. It describes the lack of public safety caused by, by raids that were happening because of the Philistines. It says that in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, the roads were abandoned and the travelers took to winding paths. Verse 7 says that the village life in Israel ceased. And verse 8 uh, continues, it says, not a shield or a spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. So what's happening is, is at this point in time in Israel's history, they are no longer a nomadic people going, through the, going on their way to the promised land. They've actually, these 12 tribes have actually settled the land as God has promised them. And they have now become a very, from a nomadic type of a people to an agricultural people. They, 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 they've established themselves, which we know historically, that's typically what happens of any people group. They, they migrate, they become nomadic. Everybody wants home. Everybody kind of wants that nesting place. And, and then once you find that, you settle down. And when you settle down, then that's when prosperity really begins to happen and, and cities began to be developed and villages are developed and, and, and ecosystems. I mean, everything begins to happen and as far as that's concerned. This is what's happened and they've developed this and so they're agricultural at this point. They're, they're, they're farmers. So, so, so think of it like North Central Wisconsin. I mean, they're, they're farmers. This is what they do. This is, this is how, you know, they, 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 talk, they go to the local coffee shop in their F-150s or their, or their, you know, if you're a GMC driver, their Sierra and, and they, they go, I know my trucks and they, they go right there and, and they do that and, and they talk about the new combines they're buying and, 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 you know, this new John Deere and what about this Caterpillar backhoe and hey man, has anybody, anybody tried this Kubota line of, of, again, I know my stuff, I'm from Arkansas. So anyhow, so I just saying like they, they talk and this is what they do. They're not 
warriors. They're not soldiers. They're, they're not, not even nomadic. They're just, they're working the soil. But what would happen is by the time that the harvest would come, these Philistines would come in and would begin to raid the fields, would pillage and plunder the people, and would just leave them desolate. And, and, and so it had gotten so bad, we read in verse five, chapter five, that, that basically people weren't even going anywhere. They weren't leaving their homes. Uh, they were scared. Uh, they, they, they were, they were, they were, uh, life kind of ceased to exist, which is no way to live, but they're not, there's not a sword or a spear anywhere, a shield or a spear seen among 40,000 Israel. They don't have anything, but there's one day that a guy named Shamgar, who is a leader, who is one of the third of the 13th judges, says, as in the words of the great theologian Popeye, I stand all I can stand and I can't stand no more. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is all I can take. It's, it's on like Donkey Kong. I don't care if I die, if I go down. This is, this is why I want to see this when I get to heaven. And he picks up an ox goad. Now, what is an ox goad? I know you probably know what that is. You probably have one in your garage, maybe a couple. You probably go to Ace Hardware and pick one up. An ox goad basically is a farm tool that was about five to 10 feet height and length. Uh, it's about two inches or so in diameter. On one end, it was kind of like a sharp point, almost like a, how you would think of like a pencil or a point. And then on the other end, it was like a flathead screwdriver. It was, it was just a chiseled like blade that we used to clean the plow uh, from the clay and the roots as they, would, as they would farm these fields with oxen. They would prod the oxen and then, and then knock the clay off of, off of the, uh, uh, the, 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 the iron uh, blades that would till the ground. It was a farm tool. But this farm tool doesn't just stay as a farm tool. It becomes a lethal weapon in the hands of Shamgar because of his courage and because of his conviction. He decided that he wasn't going to take it anymore. He decided the status quo was no longer going to be okay with him anymore. He decided that he was not going to live his life and let someone else come in and steal, kill, and destroy himself, his family, his country. This is what not, God did not call them to this. And he was going to stand up and he was going to fight. And on that day, the Bible says in verse 31, he struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. 600. He killed them with a stick. That I don't care who you are. I don't care who your favorite action hero is. That is like stinking amazing. You just have to admit that. I'm going to have a stick that's about five to 10 feet. I mean, you're talking about like Bruce Lee on steroids. I mean, like just crazy. Again, you guys read the Bible so sanctimonious. It, he just literally pulled out a full can and killed 600 Philistines. Why? I'm going to give you the whole sermon in this statement. This is what's so big about Shamgar. Shamgar did what he could with what he had with where he was. Shamgar did what he could with what he had with where he was. Let's talk about that for a minute. What he could. He's defending himself against 600 Philistines with an ox goad. I think it definitely elevates Shamgar to the status of champion. That's just my, again, my, my opinion. But, and it doesn't matter to me if it happened in one swoop or if it happened over separate occasions. The fact is, is that he stood up and did what he could do. And can I help every one of us in this room? Every one of us at every campus, Milwaukee, Appleton, Brookfield, online, Germantown, doesn't matter. 
God does not expect you to do what you don't have the ability to do. God does not expect you to do what's beyond your ability. God never expects you to, to run anybody else's race. That's the reason why comparison is such a trap. God doesn't expect you to be me or me to be you. I'm not as smart as you. I'm not as good looking as you. I'm not as fast as you. I'm not as connected as you. I'm not as talented as you. I'm not as wealthy or prosperous as you. God doesn't expect me to do what you have the ability to do, but he does expect me to do what I can do. And as long as I do what I can do, that's all that matters. That's all God's looking for from me. How often do we fail to make a contribution in our world because we go, well, it's just not going to make a difference or it's just little old me or I just can't or I just, no, 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 no. All God wants you to do is do what you have the ability to do for you to lend your voice, for you to give of yourself, whatever that may be. You may even feel like, hey, man, I'm not worthy enough. But understand this, God's not looking for worthy people because none of us are righteous. He's looking for people who are available to do what they're willing to do. Amen. Second, he did what he could with what he had. He did what he could with what he had. He has an ox goat. He has a stick that's pointed on one end and chiseled on another end. It's a farm tool, but that's what he had. He didn't have a spear, he did, I mean, a sword. He didn't have a shield. He, he didn't have any other type of arsenal. He didn't have an army. The Bible says that there was not even a, a sword or, or a shield in 40,000 men in Israel. But what he knew how to use was an ox goad because he used it every day. It was something that was common and ordinary to him, but it became extraordinary because, because of, of, of his ability to do what he could do with what he had. Many times we go, well, if I had X, Y, Z, I would. Well, if I had, I would. Well, if I, it's kind of the, what I call the case of the if I hads. Well, you know, if I had, you know, a million bucks, I would give you. No, you wouldn't, you big fat liar. Or, or well, if I had more time, or if I had, no, 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 you wouldn't. But here's the deal is, and can I help you? This is true for all of us, is, is, is God's given you and I what we need to succeed. And so you, you, you don't have to focus on what you don't have. What do you have? What's in your hand? Well, I don't have a, a spear. I don't have a sword. I don't have a shield in order to defend myself physically. I have no weapons of warfare to deal with this. Neither did Shamgar. But what he had was this farm tool called an ox goat that he knew how to use. Apparently he knew how to use it really, really well. And he didn't have a weapon of war, but he didn't need one. Because whatever God's called you to do and whatever God's put in your heart to do, he's given you the ability to do that. He's given, if you'll work that, if you'll develop that, if you'll lean into that. Oh, the enemy of your soul and my soul will tell you that you're, that you're a loser, that you're never going to make it, that you're never going to overcome, that, you're, that the addiction is going to, to cripple you, that, that your sin is going to, to take you under, that, that you're worthless, that, that you're unworthy. But the truth of the matter is God has given you his one and only son and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, which means this, greater is what the ability that God has given you than any demon in hell and any situation outside of you and any adversarial person can speak against you. The question is, who are you going to listen to? You can listen to the voice of the Lord or are you going to listen to the voice of the world? 
You're gonna listen to yourself or you're gonna listen to God. See, Shamgar said, hey man, I don't have a spear. I don't have a shield. I don't have a sword. I don't have, but what I do have is this ox goat and I'm gonna do what I can do with what I have. Quit waiting on ideal circumstances to come. Quit waiting for everything to fall into place. Quit waiting for the perfect job or the perfect person or the perfect situation. It's never going to happen. It doesn't happen that way. No one's life is perfect. No one's situation is perfect. There are curveballs that we all face. I face, you face. It's how we lean into the tension in that moment, not abdicate the tension. It's how we lean into the hardship. It's how we learn to trust Jesus. It's how we learn to, to walk with him when we just say, God, this is what you've given me the ability, what you've given me to do. I'm just gonna use what I do, what I can do with what I have. Quit waiting on God to show up and do something else. Just take what you have. In a few minutes, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to give and an offering. I'm not asking you to give what you don't have. I'm asking you to give what you have. And I'm asking you unabashedly and unashamedly and boldly because I don't get anything from this offering. This offering doesn't pay bills. This offering doesn't pay salaries. This offering doesn't do anything. Matter of fact, I am going to give sacrificially the same way you're giving sacrificially. And you and I together are gonna do what we can do with what we have, with where, the last thing is where we are. He does what he can with what he has, with where he was. Where was he? He's living at a time and a place where quite frankly, everything was, had been pretty quiet. And then all of a sudden there were these issues, these problems. They were at the mercy of the Philistines and they were at the mercy of this. And Shamgar didn't have the time to wait on an army to come. He didn't have the time to raise up thousands to lead them into battle. He didn't have time to create weapons of warfare. You and I don't have to wait till things get better. When I get better, when in a couple of years I will. Well, when I get retired, well, when, when, I have, when I get married, well, when I have kids, well, when the kids get out of the house, well, when we retire, we just keep pushing it tomorrow, tomorrow. No, 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 what? it's about today. It's about today. We don't have tomorrow. We, 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 don't, we don't have tomorrow, we have today. We have this moment today. What are you doing with today? What are you doing in this moment today? You know, I, I just, as I'm prepping this message, I'm, I'm reminded of, of my pastor friend at 59 who, who unexpectedly went to be with the Lord on October 31st. He had plans, thoughts, ideas, new grandbaby, but it, his time was up. See, we may not have tomorrow, may not have next week, may not have next year. Just a few weeks ago, my, my friend Joe Lyons was here and he was talking about the journey that he went through with losing his wife, Lisa, to ovarian cancer. And I remember him telling me, we were in a Starbucks in, in, in Bentonville, Arkansas. And he said, you know, we don't talk about when Nathan graduates. We don't talk about when Nathan goes to college. We don't talk, we don't talk about the next holiday, Aaron, because we don't know if we're going to be granted that amount of time. We live today. What if we all just did that? We just lived today in this moment. 
Because that's all I got the power over. I don't have power over tomorrow. I, I can't control what happened yesterday. It's just in this moment. And Shamgar understood that. He did what he could with what he had with where he was. And I want you to look back and notice at the end of verse 31. It says, and he too saved Israel. He too saved Israel. A guy that's only mentioned twice in scripture, when God begins to tell the whole journey and tell the whole story and tell the whole history of Israel, along with the greats of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and men like David and Daniel and, 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 and forefathers like Moses, in that whole litany and list of the saviors of Israel will be Shamgar. A guy who's only mentioned twice. Why? Because he did what he could do with what he had with where he was, period. And when you and I do what we can do with what we have with where we are, we too will change our world. That's how the world gets changed. The year was 1941. City was North Platte, Nebraska, population 12,000. December 7th of 1941, the Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor. And 10 days later, the Pacific Union Railroad had a hub in North Platte. That was about the only thing in North Platte. And uh, it was noised about that there would be servicemen from the Nebraska National Guard that would be coming through. They'd be stopping for 10 minutes basically to get off the train just for a moment and then to get right back on and they were heading to war. So a local drugstore clerk named Ray Wilson decided to get some local ladies together and let's make some cookies and some sandwiches and let's get some tea and some coffee and let's meet our servicemen and women as they, as they head off to war. And, and so we'll, we'll be here and we'll greet them and, and hug them and tell them we love them and we're praying for them. And so they got everyone together and they did this. And, and, and as they got there, they realized that these these National Guardsmen were not from Nebraska, but rather from Kansas. And so the ladies kind of stopped for a moment and thought, what are we going to do? And, and Ray Wilson said, well, I didn't bake these cakes and these pies for nothing. These are men and women that are going to war, Kansas or Nebraska, they're still our men, let's serve them. And so they did. Well, what began to happen after this uh, was Ray began to say, you know what, there's going to be a train stopping throughout the course of the day until the war is over. How about we get women together and let's meet these servicemen and women as they're on their way to war here in North Platte, Nebraska, and they'll have 10 minutes and we'll give them a, a, a sandwich or a cup of coffee or tea or a, sli a slice of pie or a cake and just, just, just love, them, love on them But as they get back on the train and they go to war. Bob Green, who was a writer for the Chicago Tribune, actually wrote a book about North Platte in this period of its history called Once Upon a Train. And he tells a story of, of servicemen, and he goes like this. A young man graduates high school in Brooklyn, New York on Friday and enlists in the military. And on Tuesday, he is on a train headed west to fight the war. About two days in on that train, he in the middle of the night, somebody yells out, North Platte. Next stop, North Platte. In the middle of the night, this kid from Brooklyn who's never been out of the city, who's scared out of his mind, he's in a place he's never been, going to a place he's never been to before, not knowing if he's going to return home and see his mother and his father, his sister and his brother gets out. And in the middle of the night, North Platte, Nebraska, there are these ladies 
They look like his aunt, look like his mom. These girls look like his sister, look like his cousins. Offering him a cup of hot coffee or tea, a sandwich, piece of cake. Just saying, hey, we love you. We're praying for you. We're with you. Don't forget. 10 minutes later, the, 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 the alarm would sound, they'd get back on, the whistle would sound, get back on the train and they were off to war. Over and over and over, this, Bob Green says this story would, would recount itself. And, and, and in the middle of the foxhole, in the middle of the war, in the middle of the night, when they didn't know if they were winning, they didn't know if they were losing, somebody would say, man, wouldn't it be great to be back in North Platte? And Bob said, what, what was so great about North Platte? What, what was so monumental about that? Because these were people who I did not know, who, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to a place that I have never been, not knowing if I'm ever going to return. In the middle of the night, somebody loved me. Somebody knew I existed. And as an 18-year-old kid, fresh out of high school, on my way to war, I knew that someone cared and they showed their caring and their kindness and their compassion. And the middle of the darkness, to think about a place like that was refuge in my mind, not knowing if I was ever going to make it home. This went on for four and a half years until the war concluded. Ray Wilson local drugstore clerk. In that amount of time, it organized 55,000 women to meet up to 32 trains a day. And in that four and a half year period, met and served 6 million servicemen and women. Because she was known? No. Because she had money? No, the federal government heard what she did and they wrote her a $5 check and said, hey, we really love what you're doing and this is, this is to help advance the cause. No, because she did what she could do with what she had, with where she was. And she changed her world. That's all God expects out of us in our lives in this miracle offering today, for you and I to do what we can do with what we have, with where we are. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you, first of all, don't expect of us what we don't have the ability to do. I thank you, Lord, that you have created us and made us in such a way and fashioned us in such a way to accomplish that which you have called us to do. And as a church body, you've not asked us to do what we don't have the ability to do. But when we do what we can do, individually and as a body, with what we have, not with what we want, not with what we wish we had, but with what we have in our hands, with where we are, you do the miraculous. So I pray, help us in our lives. Help us in this offering. Speak to us in these next few moments as what we do with what we have, with where we are, will change the lives of untold scores of people that only eternity will reveal.
In Jesus' name, amen. Now here's what I want to do in every campus and online, and we're going to give you an opportunity to, to give. And, and I hope that my desire is not what you give, but that you give, that everybody does something because everybody has the ability to do something. And so there's an envelope there, a greater envelope that's right there on your seat or you were handed to when you, when you came into the building and you literally can put, put your money in that. You can write a check in there. You can a credit card. There's also gonna be digital options that are gonna be on the screen that if you want to text to give or you wanna do online giving or however you wanna do that, you can totally do that. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do, just for a second. Do what you can do with what you have, with where you are. Whatever that may be. It's not what somebody else can do. It's not what someone else has the ability to do. It's you. Here's what I'm believing for. We, as a church, move at the speed of your generosity, which you're an incredibly generous church. So right now, we are, we're, we're just a, about 200,000 away from, from, from being at that million mark, which... Again, knowing kind of the history of the church and the giving during this time of the month, with your generosity, we're gonna be there. At the beginning of the year, I presented $1.3 million worth of projects to you. And that's everything that we're doing. That's missionaries, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's uh, uh, Compassion Ministries, that's uh, Milwaukee campus, uh, as far as the Life Center, all of those types of things. So you go, hey man, if that doesn't come in, what happens? Well, we just, there's just some things we just won't do and we'll, we'll we're gonna, we're gonna go for, for it again this next year. But I, if somebody, I know I get this question from time to time, what do you need? I need a half million dollars. And you may go, that's crazy. Yeah, stand in line, this isn't the first time. But last year we did around 200,000 in this offering alone. I, I believe that this is the year, not only are we gonna break a million dollars in missions giving. And again, I've never been a part of a church. I don't know that anybody at Life Church, been a part of a church that's given away a million dollars to missions. That's just awesome. Because it's not about us. I've been pastoring here for 17 years. In 2002, we gave $3,000 to missions. And this year, we're going to give, with God's help, over a million dollars. So all these missionaries, all these projects, all these things, this is, none of it goes, stays here, it all goes out. So today I'm gonna to pray over this offering and I'm gonna ask you simply just to do what you can do with what you have, with where you are. If you've been giving to Greater, you've gotten some email correspondence and some letter correspondence from me prepping you so that you're prepared. I don't want anyone to be surprised. And I don't even want, here's the deal is, I don't know what you give. I don't know what anyone's given. I haven't had a conversation with anyone. I know what Tammy and I, we talked about above and beyond what we're going to do. We made a, a commitment to, to Greater. And so even above and beyond, God has blessed and we, we, wanna, we wanna bless and we wanna do that. I just, I believe you can't outgive God, but um, Whatever it is that God's put in your heart to do, we want to do that. At every one of our campuses right now, just prepare yourself to begin to do that. I'm going to pray, and then, uh, and then we're, the offering buckets are going to be passed. And uh, we're, going to, we're, we're going to see God do, I think, the miraculous, which, again, is to see just a million plus going for missions. I'm going to say one more thing, and I'm going to pray. Sometimes people go, well, what's the big deal? 
Um, you don't know how many conversations I've had with business men that I've met, that I know, that I've invited to Life Church, that aren't Christ followers. That the most impressive thing that we do isn't what we do in the community, or isn't a weekend service, or isn't the ministries. But without fail, here's what they say to me over coffee. How do you give so much money away? Every church I've ever been a part of, it's about them, 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 them. They've got to build this. They've got to build this. They've got to build this. But what you talk about is about giving it away, giving it away, giving it away. And I go, but, and which gives me an opportunity to just to kind of share that's, isn't that the gospel? For God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son. And they'll scratch their head and they'll go, I've never seen anything like that. Your generosity, I'm telling you, even in that, is gospel-centric and <laughs> speaks so much more than what you know. Father, I just thank you today for your people at every one of our campuses. I just pray, God, that you in these next few moments, Lord, as we, God, as we do what we can with what we have, with where we are, God, that you would just bless it. Lord, I believe this is the year we're going to break through that million-dollar giving. I believe we're going to be 1.3. I believe that we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to hit the mark and that every project, that every missionary, that every endeavor, that everything we need to accomplish is going to be funded so we can move into 2020 with new opportunities and new, and new, new um, endeavors that we can continue to do with what you've called us to do. Lord, we know this doesn't end until you come back, Jesus, because this is the great commission is to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. The greatest thing that we're called to do as Christ followers is to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbors, ourselves. And the greatest thing that we're called to live is the great commission. Go into all the world. That's what we're doing. I pray God your blessings be upon this offering, be upon these people, your people. Thank you for their generosity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.